But the problem that I see is that we're moving towards a future in which things are more immersive, in which we need ways to communicate. It's getting really hard to just keep using these tools to design in higher levels of dimensions or to solve problems that require like different ways of thinking. Hey everybody, I'm Micah Rich. And I'm Olivia Kane. Welcome to the weekly typographic. Our weekly episodes talk about type and design news, but we've got a bonus episode for you today. We're chatting with a designer that's innovating the field through education and their practice. It's going to be fun. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Today on the podcast, we have Alejandro Leon and Fride Mreb from the team at Spline. Spline is a new design tool for 3D experiences on the web. It allows you to bring your typography, illustrations, or character designs into a whole new dimension amongst many more capabilities. We love that it's super accessible. In addition to downloading it and using it on your desktop, you can also just simply open it in your browser. Alejandro is the founder of Spline and Faride is a designer and community builder. So we're gonna have a fun chat ahead. We'll talk about how the idea for this one-of-a-kind tool came about, how 3D can revolutionize type and design, and what they're learning along the way. Hi to you both! Hello. Thank you so much for having us. It's really yeah, awesome so to have you here. Us. This is exciting. <laughs> we have been fans of Spline before we actually got to meet. So it's going to be really interesting to hear some of the backstory. Well, I've yeah. been listening to this podcast since, I think, since it began. So... Happy to be here. Fan, fanning out on everyone. I love it. <laughs> That's a fan. Excellent way to start out. And I'm really excited to talk about what Spline is and the implications it has for the future of type and design. I think, you know, 3D within 3D and typography intersecting is just becoming a larger and larger within the audience of designers and people being exposed to it. So I think it can often be an intimidating subject, but as technology progresses, Things like Spline coming about is making it more accessible. I, I'm so excited to talk about how Spline came about, the story behind it, and um, where our future is leading with both those subjects. So I'm going to start with the first question, which is, what is Spline in your own words? So Spline is a design tool, a specifically web-based 3D design tool. It works on the browser, or in other words, it uses web technologies and is meant for making easier the 3D creation process. So that is in a very short explanation what it is. I have another answer. Spline is hope for people like me. <laughs> Why do you say that? Oh, because I've, 3D has always been so hard for me. Learning to use Spline has been a blessing. It makes me feel smarter than I really am. That's incredible. <laughs> I always love those like moments where you're like, wait, I can do it. like that's so empowering too. When you're like, yeah, it's really empowering. It's great. Our next big question is, how did the idea for Spline start? Because you guys have both given me a preview that it's a funky, maybe juicy story. We are very curious about that origin story. Yeah, it's so just for for context. So I was born in uh, Venezuela. It's a Latin American South America. I was raised there, and I, when I was 12 years old, 11, I don't quite remember right now, I got into, by curiosity, into, into a 3D world. My, both of my parents, they studied programming back in the end of the 80s, yeah. 
And, and so they have a bunch of programming book, books in, and also my father was very curious about AutoCAD. It was like back in the time, it was a very interesting, like a visual area. And so they have these books and I started reading about AutoCAD and, and I got really excited about, you know, the fact that you can build like all these graphics. So I got into it and later on, I realized that the same type of software was also being used for uh, gaming. And so I have my, my PlayStation 1, and so I made this connection, like, well, it's the same kind of software that the, the people is building games and also Toy Story movies. So I kind of got curious about that. So I, I, with my dad to a different district in our country, a long journey just to find a place where we can find this kind of software. It was all pirate software. It was really hard for most families, or it, it's actually still hard. To acquire this kind of software in a legal way. So, uh, so yeah, for many years, I just got into learning this, and I really got excited about it because I feel like it's a very beautiful space for representing whatever you imagine in your brain. And every day, every day since I was like I don't know 14 or 10, I spent several hours in a coffee, in, a, in an internet coffee, just learning about tutorials and you know how to do 3D and use software like Maya, 3D Maths, 4D back in the time. I studied graphic design. I realized that most of the graphic design tools were 2D design tools. So for most people, that's like the normal thing to do, right? Because when you study graphic design, you use, I don't know, back in the time it was like CorelDRAW, Illustrator. Nowadays it's Fitma, Sketch. So it's normal, right? For me, it was like really weird because I had all this learning about 3D and for me that was like the space for creation. And then I realized that it was like nothing in the design world. Like most of the designers were not using 3D tools. And I often wondered like why, right? Then I realized that a lot of people actually really like the idea of 3D. And they see all these cool graphics and all these cool like visualizations happening in different industries, like in architecture, in the movies, in motion graphics. But almost no one knew how to use any kind of 3D tools. So I actually did a couple of freelance jobs back in the university to pay my studies doing 3D graphics. And, and I realized like we really needed like a better tool. And, and it just, that was like 10 or I don't know how many years ago. And I, I figured, why don't we just build a 3D tool that is easier and it works like a 2D tool. So people that is doing 2D or do, doing graphic design can actually do 3D. And it, I, I always believe that was like a very simple idea, but uh, no one really ever implemented, no one really executed the idea in the way that I thought it was needed to be. So over the years, I learned how to code. I, I also migrated to a different country with, with many friends. We co-founded a couple of companies. We did uh, AR and a bunch of tech-related work for, I don't know, for seven years. But I keep working always in the 3D space. I figure three years ago, I figured that I really wanted to give it another try. And I knew three years ago, I already knew how to code. So I learned to, to code in JavaScript and Chitchat over the years. So I decided to, to start doing it again and, and I started explaining. Then I met Jenny, Jenny Lee. In back in the time, he was living in Venezuela. And so we started working together and we worked like for two years, mostly by yourself. And so last year I decided, hey, now it's time for making Spine more like a formal company. So I registered the company and then uh, I decided if we really want to push things forward, we need, we need to go in, into fundraising. And I had some experience in, in the startup world, in Latin America at least. 
So I wanted to give it a try and doing something in the States because I feel like technology was way more advanced in the startup world in, in the States than whatever we were doing in, in Latin America. I did that. That was before COVID. And then it was really hard. So it was like complex journey. <laughs> Being a Latin American person trying to fundraise from states, that's not normal. At least it was not a year ago. And then COVID happened and like I'm the mindset for the investor changed a lot. Mm. People realize that they don't need to be focused on one single place. So I, I, I literally talked with over, I don't know, 100 or I don't know, 80 different venture capital investors. And then one of them, they decided to trust in us and they became our first investor. And then we worked for several months with our initial investment. And then later we fundraised again. And then we launched Spline on December. It was like the first of Spline. And it was also like an experiment because we weren't sure. No one was sure that what we were doing was, was going to have any kind of impact. But we already had like two years working on it. So I was really getting like anxiety <laughs> about, is this going to work? I mean, we really needed to try this on a bigger uh, amount of testers because the beta testers that we have were too small and we wanted to really give it. What's really funny is that since I know Alejandro, he has been talking about this. And when he formally launched Spline, I wasn't working at the company, but he was tweeting about it all the time. And he and the company had like two followers back then. Oh my God. And then I kept retweeting the tweet, just yeah, go Spline. And then. Now you go into the Twitter and it's like, I don't know, like 20K people, 10,000 10, people. I don't know. And it's crazy to yeah. think that everything he has been working on just finally blew up and became this huge thing that has a life of its own. In less than a year, yeah. right? It's Yeah, it's less. We launched in December. So, yeah, it's been like nine months so a far. A baby. Since we launched, yeah. it's a which is funny yeah. because you've had this idea for so long and you were working on it on the side. This is this seems like one of those things where from the outside, it's like an overnight success. Because I know a lot of people before we met were talking about this seems really cool, and it was like kind of a, a little bit of a like secret share thing that everybody was trying to get everybody else on board with. But the fact that Dive you had club. been thinking about it and working on it for 10 plus years? Yeah, it's something like the, the initial draw I made for Spline was when I was in university. I, I dropped out because I, I, I wanted to start working by myself. And I, I also didn't have money to pay my university. <laughs> so I actually, I dropped out because I feel like I was wait, wasting the money and my time. And so I started working with Samuel, which is actually Farida's <laughs> husband and one of my best yeah. friends. And he was my teacher back in the time. And we worked together. And that's when I did the first drawing for this planet. The first prototype was very much influenced by my understanding of 3D back in the time and what I knew about vector graphics and how things could be simplified. And it was just like a paper in draw uh, that I draw. And for the next seven years, that was just it. I just kept thinking about There's it. There's a story <laughs> um, that I always yeah. hear about Alejandro in the university, <laughs> that there was this assignment that, that Samo, my husband, sent to everyone in the class to bring a photograph of, I don't know what, to study composition. And then, oh, yeah. and then Samuel tells me that Alejandro yeah. brought this amazing image and Tamo was like, the lighting is amazing. How did, did you use a second lighting? How do you take this? And Alejandro replies something like, 
I can't afford to have a camera, so I did it in 3D. What you're looking at is a render. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, I, like, <laughs> oh, I, I relate to that so much. I, <laughs> I originally went to school for filmmaking because I wanted to be able to, like, capture beautiful images, but I couldn't afford a camera. All the lighting was, like, not something I could do. And I got into 3D for the exact same reason. It was like, oh, I suddenly have unlimited expensive lights and cameras and anything that I want. That's amazing. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's the beauty, right, of, of 3D that it kind of let you do stuff that it, it can be actually really hard to do in, in real life. Mm. In a way, it's, it's also closer to real life because it works like it is in real life. It's three-dimensional. And so, yeah, I definitely did a lot of hacks like that. Just, you know, you are a student, you don't have money, you barely can pay your own studies. So acquiring hardcore devices yeah. is just not What's so funny that you were uh, yeah. talking about the pirate software is that through this, until I moved to the US, I always use the, those pirate CDs. They sold them on the street. Wow. Because no one has access to 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 licenses wow. in Venezuela. No one has access to anything, but it's a really complicated situation. So having those CDs was a lifesaver. That's how I learned design. And yeah, I'm I'm not getting I'm yeah. not gonna get extended on that. Yeah, yeah. Long, long, like long story short, like most people in Latin America that don't have enough money to afford to pay for software, so they they need to use uh, pirate software. But the good thing is that right now, because of open source software and there is like a completely different mindset, there is a bunch of free software that you can use. So now people is using those tools. Yeah. Totally. Including yeah. a version of Spline, right? Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. Totally. <laughs> There's so many people using Spline yeah. around the world and you don't have to have money to use it, which is amazing. That makes me so happy. Yeah, I, I honestly feel like price points and like what you were saying, like just even access to licensing was such a barrier to entry for design for so long. And, you know, I think everyone's looking at that and being like, is is this really where we want the future to be? Like, are we really going to have as much of a diverse group of creators learning this stuff if we keep on, you know, putting these hefty price tags on it? So I think it really does speak a lot to the changing times. And it, it's great that like Spline exactly is accessible to anyone that just wants to open up a browser tab and start playing around. That's really cool. And that's something that probably no one would ever think could be possible even 15 years ago i think it is like a really beautiful symbiotic relationship with kind of our technology that we have available and you know awesome creative out-of-the-box thinkers like you alejandro and bring it to the next generation which i'm very excited about and, and the most crazy <laughs> part is to think that in the case of typography you had tangible type movable type and then this goes into your screen as software in fonts and then with Spline, you can recreate the three-dimensionality. Yeah. I was looking the other day on Instagram, just checking hashtags. And I noticed a bunch of people using Spline for 36 days of type. Oh, and it cool. was not only for making the letters, that, like actually extruding the letters, but the 2D letters getting depth or different layers in, in, in the compositive space. And I was just so inspired and so happy that it's just so easy to make and mm. something that maybe we didn't see as accessible or at our reach can now just be so simple. I don't know. It just makes me happy. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Building on that, I think that 
there are still a large group of people that are maybe hesitant to go into 3D because they're like, oh, I'm doing fine with what I know and I like staying in my comfort zone. But for those people, <laughs> I'm curious what you would say is so exciting about 3D. Like, how is 3D going to revolutionize type and design? Where do you think we're going to start seeing 3D pop up a lot more than maybe we're used to? And what does that future hold for design and type and 3D all coming together? Yeah, like... I'm not so sure if revolutionize will be the, the right word, but uh, definitely. So the, the way I see it is for so many years, we have been working on the, this assumption that 3D is like a style or 3D is like a different thing in the design space, mostly, right? This doesn't happen in other spaces. If you are in the art space, for example, 3D is just like another type of tools that you use daily and thousands of people is doing this for film and is doing this for architecture and you know, industrial design and so on. But in the design space in particular, it happens that because most of the tools that most people use, better 2D based tools, there is this kind of like a bias towards work, continuing working in this way because it's like an inheritance of behavior that is coming from using tools, the same, te- the same kind of tool for decades. But the problem that I see is that we're moving towards a future in which things are more immersive, in which we need ways to communicate. It's getting really hard to just keep using these tools to design in higher levels of dimensions or to solve problems that require like different ways of thinking. It's been known for many years that the 3D space is really great for creativity in general. The, the idea that 3D is a style is just like a myth. 3D is really just dimensions. It doesn't have anything attached to it. We see most of 2D animators migrating to 3D animation, mm. but they still keep the same style. The same. It looks like 2D, but it's 3D. And the reason is because you can do way more, right? The same happened in architecture. Most you know, architectural design tools uh, are built in 2D and 3D at the same time, and you can switch from a blueprint into something that looks 3D, and then you can build visualizations. It happens also on the game industry, right? You build a game that is 2D, but you build the game in a 3D tool like Unity or Unreal. So it looks like 2D, but at the end you're doing it in a 3D space because, again, it gives you so much control and when you're working in 3D, you're able to see your design, which might be a flat design, but the fact that you can see it in a space, it might actually enable you to think about different ideas, different solutions, which is what happens in reality, right? When you're working on a paper or something, and then you look at ideas from a different point of view, and you, you flip the paper, etc., you might actually came across different ideas that you may never thought, just because you were able to move around your work. So that's hard to do when you're working on a tool that is fundamentally constrained in two dimensions. So what we have in mind is that you can actually design whatever you're doing, better graphics, UI design, in a space that is 3D by default. And then you decide the outcome, right? You decide if you want the outcome to keep being 3D or 2D, but you have the choice. I, I think that idea can potentially enable in the future like a, a completely new generation for creative expression. What we're seeing so far is people that never did 3D before, they just get on board and they just start doing a bunch of things that they never imagined that they were doing before. And those ideas, it might seem like a really small thing, like, you know, a cue, a character, but eventually those ideas might be letting them to think about other more meaningful ideas in the future. And that's what we're looking for, right? Potentially millions of people out there that they are in the creative space that could be benefit from being 
in, in a 3D I think space. what's yeah. most exciting and at the same time is that for 3D, I always thought you had to have a different mindset than the mindset you have for designing 2D. But in my case, it was like that. When I went to design school, I did 3D studio and, and I thought it was so complex and I saw people only dedicated themselves to that and didn't care about aesthetics, didn't care about composition. They only talked about rendering and lighting. And I was like, I, I didn't feel like I, I fit. So I lost interest. And in this case, since it's live rendering, Spline is live rendering tool and it works very similar to other software in the sense that you grab a cube and you can make that cube 3D and you can just put lighting and volume really easily. You can add a madcap. So the, the way that your mind is working, the program is responding in, in real time, not only in the rendering, but mm. in the ideas you have. So I think that also uh, motivates you to keep, you know, playing around with it or, you know, moving things around. And my background is in books. So I think the same thing happens in the principle of paper. Paper is just one sheet and it's flat, but then depending on the way you fold that paper that projects a different shadow or creates a different structure that can allow you to add pages, this, or create multiple things. So that's the way I see it with Spline. Yeah, like if we think like in the future, for example, And right now, like I said, like some of these ideas, they, they might look at science fiction, but uh, right now, for example, if Spline is not able to do what I just going, going to say, but just like an idea, right? Uh, now, if you want to design a book or a typeface that eventually is going to be used in, in a book or in different formats, what you do is that you use like a composition design tool, right? Like InDesign or Affinity mm. Publisher, something like that. And then you compose your work and, and then you print the work and then you work physically to build the book. But what happens if we are actually able to prototype the entire book in the digital space and how everything falls and how the inks expand on the paper? What if you're actually able to simulate all of these physics related phenomena in a digital space so you don't need to waste time doing a bunch of work in, in reality. You can just predict how it's going to work. So then you might actually be able to find new ways of making a book, for example, uh, or making a book that is more efficient, that it, it weighs less paper or is in a different format that you never imagined before. At the end, uh, none of this is trying to replace anything. It's more like enabling people to do things that potentially it's really hard to do right now or just not possible or maybe no one had ever imagined it because there, were no, there was not a tool to make it easier enough. But talking about books, Alejandra, do you remember how we became friends? I think because Samuel always talk about you and books and we had some books in common. <laughs> Every time I yeah. went to the office and there was a book, I was like, oh, I have this book. So I found out that Alejandro was the only person I have ever met that also had The Elements of Typographic Style by Robert Brinkhurst. Classic. That's a good choice. <laughs> I know here everybody yeah, has that book, but in Venezuela it's not common at all. Mm. I have only wow. met two people, Alvaro Sotillo and Alejandro. Mm. So we started nerding mm. out and talking about, oh, <laughs> you read the chapter where he says, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have it always, all the time, everywhere. It's just beautiful book. Brinkhurst yeah. brings people together. Yeah, you know, I met him in person. Oh, no, I met way. him in person. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was a luncheon 
here in New York and he came from Canada to give a, a lecture on script systems and he talked about Palatino. And I was like, yeah, yeah, Palatino, sign my element of typography style. <laughs> That's incredible. Very sweet person. Yeah. And then hopefully cool you guy. critiqued his signature. Cool white guy. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Good to know. I don't think, I don't know anyone that's met him. So you're certainly the first on that list. Super cool. It's great. I love that you guys, first of all, I love that you said that many people have this misconception that like 3D is useful as a style which I also had that misconception that was like, oh, yeah, you're like an uh, illustrator does 3D, and like that is something that you have decided to dedicate your time and effort into, and like that distinguishes you from other designers. But Frida, you talking about the idea that 3D either had this reputation for being a style or had this reputation for being like super functional, like a way to show your industrial design product in a three-dimensional manner. Like those are the two avenues that... I traditionally think about people that use 3D software. There often was such a big learning curve that like you really had, you had to have a reason to dedicate all your time to learning the software that was often changing right underneath your feet. Like I feel like for 10 years, I was often hearing, oh, someone's using this 3D. Oh no, we use this one now. And it was like, I was like, I can't even get into that because that just seems like a constant effort into learning new software and then paying the price, et cetera, et cetera. That seems like an endless cycle. So I love that idea of thinking thinking about it as a means to just be expanding your imagination and a means to be expanding the ways in which you create and the ways in which you think as well. I think that's like a really golden nugget for sure to be taking with me after this. I also think that it it used to be, or until recently, it was just like clicky. Like only few people could do it because they had either the money or the possibility or the knowledge or they had the money to pay for the software or to have the, the most wonderful computer or whatever. And now that's changing. And that to me is amazing. And to see people like me or even myself being able to use a 3D tool and 3D resources is definitely a change of, how do I say that in English? Paradigm, a, yeah, a, yeah. a paradigm change. Definitely a paradigm change. And even to incorporate, and I know this is not the main goal, but in my case, I do children's books sometimes to incorporate certain things that I do in the program and then export them and use them in the books that will be printed. That's something that died. I didn't think it was possible. And it's so easy. Things that would take so much longer in other programs to just make them look 3D and then export them super heavy and then trying to make them render okay so they can print okay. And this is not the case. This renders perfectly in real time. It's super manageable. It prints beautiful. So I don't know. I think it's a great tool for, yeah. I mean, that <laughs> I in itself is a huge it. shift. Like I remember I was going into college. I was basically signing my life away with debt. And I had to take out a whole other loan to get like the most powerful Mac that was possible which took me 10 years to pay off that computer, which was, that was the only way to use a 3D program. And for this now to like right. open in a browser is crazy. That's a huge shift. Yeah, yeah. Like the last seven years or so that like web apps became way more relevant in the creative space. It's been, it's definitely like a, like a shift in the way we think about the tools, right? Figma being a collaborative tool you can use in the browser. Many other tools that, you know, brainstorming like Miro or Mural and things like that. So it's been 
achieve in the way we collaborate and we create. And I think it's a way to move forward, be more open, more collaborative, easier and accessible from everywhere. Uh, so you don't depend on a specific operating system or device. So definitely also what we have, you know, in, in, in the mind for a spline. And obviously we are very much, very early. So a lot of the work is not done yet. And I think we, everything looks bad, <laughs> but yeah, you know, that, that's a challenge, I think. And hopefully uh, one day spline will be very powerful and useful and in way more interesting than what it is right now. But I do feel like I am excited about it because it's like you're building something, so you have control over what it's going to be. And there's not that many opportunities, I feel, in the creative space to invent something new because you either need to wait for someone else to do it. And, and I think that's the responsibility that we have right now is we need to take the, the decisions in the right way so we can do, do something that is useful for people. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely also changed at least my mind about building tools because usually you don't think too much about tools, you just use it. But when you're building it, you realize a, a lot of assumptions about what you thought it was important or not came to your mind. Then you realize, oh, that's why they did it or that's why they did not did it, they failed, things like that. And the level of complexity, now when we're launching a, an update for as little as it might seem, I get to see how much work it takes, how many people are working on it and the different layers of work it works. Whereas before I was like, oh, this is not working. Why is that happening? And now it's like, <laughs> wow, it's so amazing. Now I get to right click here. That's great. <laughs> I remember when we launched an update for selecting objects with a rectangle selection. That was a total game changer. I was like, mind blown. <laughs> Something that you just think yeah. as a given to think about all the work yeah. it requires. Like I'm in constant communication with the developers. I'm in the communication team, but you're also looking at what people are struggling with and how can you help them with that or how can you communicate that more efficiently. And it's just a wonderful world. I tell to Alejandro all the time that I'm really self-conscious about saying that I work in tech because there's this like this image of the tech person, no? You imagine like this person that's not an empathetic, empathic, empathetic. How do you say in English? You imagine that this person is not empathetic. People are only thinking about money and people discussing on Twitter about this new gadget and talking crap about, (laughs) I don't know. It's like this, this stereotype (laughs) of what working in tech is. And I have been proven wrong. So I'm glad. That's very kind. That's very kind. I think Spline has had as you discussed, like a lot of rounds of success so far. It's really young. It's nine months old. You have already a lot of people using it around the world. You're just like moving forward with updates. It has an exciting path ahead. What would you say is the has been the biggest hurdle for Spline so far in this whole? I, I think in general, um, building something that requires a team, it's, it's hard. Like building a team, it's probably a harder thing to do when you're working on a company. Because at the end, it's the team, the one that is going to build it. I feel like I'm very lucky because so many talented, passionate people wanted to work on Spline. I literally just went out there and asked people if they were interested and they really like it and they wanted to work. And other people just came to us after we launched and, and they just really liked the idea and they wanted to work on, on it. So I, I kind of feel lucky about it because I, I know how it is to build a team when no one is interested in what you're doing, even though what you are, right? That was the, the first years I tried to build a team for Spline and it was really hard. No one was really interested in 3D and I didn't have any connections or anything. So I, it's really hard. 
So that's a, it's like a constant complexity that we need to think about. And as we go forward, how can we scale our principles, our moral principles, our values? And so that's definitely in my mind constantly. And the other thing I will say is the technical complexity of this is hard. 3D, it's another dimension, which means that it's another magnitude of complexity. Everything that you take for granted in terms of how, I don't know, how better works or how's the math behind or how is programming or whatever, it, it, it gets really complex for very simple. Which is, I think, also one of the reasons why something like Spang was never really quite done like that before. So many details are so hard to get, so hard to get done that I guess most people, they never had the time to focus on that so I would say at least to me those are the main hurdles yeah very enlightening and yeah most people will never experience what it is like to produce a tool of your scale and magnitude and put it out into the world but I think that is very enlightening and I think overall so far everything you've been saying whether it is about creating the thing you want to create whether that's the software or whether that's using a tool to empower you like spline is just like really inspiring and i think creatives are often like burnt out like i'm i'm 26 i graduated went to design school i've been like in the design world for you know a handful of years and even sometimes i'll be like oh my gosh like back to illustrator again like how many more like ways can we make a letter look exciting (laughs) i think that overall this is like very inspiring to hear both the story of Spline and how Spline's moving forward. I'm super curious to hear a little bit about how people are using Spline. Like, what do you see new users really intimidated by early on, whether that's like modeling or lighting or textures, Hmm. stuff like that, that they actually find easier than expected? The most surprising thing I will say is that when people get into Spline, they never ask about how to learn about a Spline interface. Hmm. I found that surprising because for many years that was the main problem. Mm-hmm. People don't know how to use a 3D software interface. You know, how Blender works or how Cinema 4D works, what are all these buttons. So it's surprising that people get to use a spline and what they ask for is mostly about the outcome. Like, how can I build a character or how can I build a house or how can I build something specific? They don't ask too much about how can I use this toolbar or where is the panel for something. So, and I think in that sense, it's, it's like it makes me feel uh, happy a little because at least there is not that friction. But at the same time, there's so much work to do in terms of making the process of getting the outcome that you want to achieve. That's a challenge, like how you build a very complex model in a very easy way. And it's something that we're constantly thinking about. It requires a lot of UX design, in particular UX in 3D, which is not that common. There is barely non-UX 3D designers out there. There is not education for most of the people that understand UX on a 3D level are just 3D artists that decided to shift into design and eventually became into that. But no one is teaching about these concepts. So building tools, at this moment, like the one that we're doing is hard because there's no talent. There is no research. I mean, the research is based on the core level technologies, but it's not based, you know, design itself. So if you try to design something that is in 2D, you will find a lot of research in psychology, a lot of research on how making different kind of components work. 
but it's not the same for 3D and that makes it hard. But at the same time, it's very interesting that people is just very excited about doing these things and they just try to do whatever they can. And they came up with the idea quickly and very diverse. Initially, it was like devices and simple geometries like cubes and, you know, combs or spheres. More recently, we started seeing people creating like fully interactive experiences, really wild material mixing and shapes. We launched uh, a few months ago the, the modeling tools. And it's ever since it was, we see all these people building all these complex models and if you think about those are people that never did 3D before. They are building 3D models and that means something. Like I, I, I have been in the, working on the 3D industry for a long time and never seen so many people doing things so quickly. Mm. And obviously super biased on this. <laughs> but I honestly, think, I, I honestly think that it's a very different uh, approach, right? If you gave someone uh, traditional 3D software and you get a spline, people actually get to do a lot of things on this plan. Yeah, and quickly. something really cool. But it's not enough. Yeah. Something really cool, Ale, is that we recently have the option to import SVG. So it has op this has opened a whole new dimension for people who work in the design community, not only in the yeah. character design community or the illustration community, but people who work with typography, actual type designers, trying to see what they do, lettering artists, trying to experiment with light shapes and how their design works, animating what they created for a website, which is something that's surprisingly easy. So all of those things are really exciting. So with each launch, I just immediately reach out to people like, hey, did you see, now we can do this <laughs> and you can twist it around. It feels pretty cool to be a part yeah, of something yeah. this important. It's funny, we were just talking on the podcast about like our favorite typography microsites, right? Like for new fonts that are released. And I feel like it's just a matter of time until somebody like, like part of Spline is like the interactive web exports that are possible that I don't, like, I don't think those exist in Maya or 3DS Max or anything like that. And so I feel like it's just an amount of time until there's like a cool new font that you get to their microsite and it's this amazing 3D experience just to like get you excited about the font, you know? Yeah, totally. Well, there's like a funny story there because most most people uh, take for granted that vector graphics was possible in 3D. But that in reality, vector graphics was not possible at all. In, and, I, and sometimes people don't believe me when I say that we actually came up with the idea of vector graphics in 3D. It was not there before. In fact, if you try to do vector graphics before the moment we, we launched Spline on a 3D tool, it was not possible, not even Blender, not even in 3D Maths or Cinema 4D. We came up with this idea. Actually, I, this idea was a very long time ago. It was really crazy that you were able to model objects using polygons where you were not able to create like proper vector editing. You were able to create the splines of it. Mm -hmm. and, and then you extrude the splines and then you had a 3D extrusion of the spline. But if you wanted to create like a vector shape in the way that you do it in 2D, it was not possible in 3D. So it took off, I think, I don't know, several months to get this. Surprisingly, what happened is a few months after uh, we launched the vector editing on the spline, Cinema 4D launched the vector <laughs> editing. They never care. They never care about this for a decade. Ooh. And then they launched a vector object, which is very similar. I'm not saying anything, I'm not implying anything, <laughs> but I, I'm happy that somehow people is now paying more attention to do 
2D operations in the 3D space because that's very important if we want to move forward into a mid-set approach. And vector objects are like what we're what we're used to playing with, like an illustrator vector object into a 3D environment that's almost like a pretty natural migration. Yeah, and, and for, for some strange reason, the people building 3D tools before, they never thought it was important. And they only give you the possibility of making the lines, like the spline, like an outline of it, but never like a field. You never were able to control the, the vectors in a way that is easier using basic cures or splines in the way that we do it on something like Illustrator or Figma, etc. So yeah, I, I, just inheritance, I think, in way of thinking is about things that we were building for decades. Something that really makes me happy every time I have to talk to someone to see how they're doing with the app or asking around about how the updates are working, that people are like, oh, thanks for reaching out. I love the tool. And they always say, it's like Figma, but for 3D, or it's like Blender, but easy to use. <laughs> I can actually use this. So right. it's like, oh, okay. But it's surprising because I heard it the first time and I thought it was a joke, but then I heard it the 18th time and I was like, okay, this is a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's real. That's, yeah. yeah, that's wild. I've played around with Spline a bit, but I'm curious if you could tell our listeners. I think the idea that you could upgrade um, or enhance your 2D graphics or make reimagine 2D graphics in Spline is really interesting. Like people are gonna see a 3D software, they're gonna feel like, oh, I, I could only use that if I wanted to make like 3D objects in a 2D world. But like, how could people actually uh, use it for 2D graphics and how would that be different than their typical 2D graphics experience not in Spline, whether that's Photoshop or... Hopefully people will not need to worry about that at all. Once the tool is seamless enough, so you don't need to actually think about the, the 3D part of it, that would be great, right? Because this additional thinking of an extra work is not ideal. And our goal is that we can make something that is seamless so you can work just like you're used to. Right now, we are very early. There is a bunch of things that we're trying to do, but it is not quite the same right there. We, we are using what we call a 2D approach to 3D, which means by default, when you get into a spline, everything feels like more like 2D than 3D. You, you are looking for things from the front. That was like another thing that for some reason, most 3D tools force you to look at things from the top. And that's like an assumption that they build. It's, it, it has to do with something that was built like in the 80s or something. But uh, it doesn't make much sense if you are in the design space because most of the time you're looking at things from the front, right? Most compositions are based on the front. And so we're trying to apply these ideas into a 3D space. Some of them, they work right. Others, they don't work so well. So we need to think about alternatives. That's where I think also innovation happens, where we need to come with ideas that no one thought before because no one really tried to build something like this before. But I think at the end, just to, to reply about your questions, at the end, you know, we're building something that is meant to enhance your abilities to create stuff. And this is not something that we're not trying to build something to force you to do something or to force you to upgrade. And that's the, that's the decision that you need to take as, as a designer, right? Or, or a user, but if you decide to do so, you will find that at the end, once the tools are mature enough, they will enhance you your abilities to do more than what you think of it yeah i like that i like that i think that's a very empowering thing to go into it with so before we wrap everything up i feel like we have to tease 
Like you're going to be teaching us in a couple weeks a little <laughs> bit about how to use this kind of stuff for like normal designers like the rest of us, right? Yeah, that's right. Very excited and uh, excited to, you know, share ideas and try to teach or share what I know about it or what we know about Spline and how can that be useful for your work if you are in the, you know, tech community or in the graphic design community and you want to get on board and do things that maybe are a little different from what you're doing, but might be, I think, very interesting from a visual point of view. Yeah, happy to do that. And you're underselling welcome. it. I think it's going to be fun. <laughs> I've seen what the plan is. We, we know what we're going to do and it's going to be fun stuff. He's just very humble. That's who he is. But this is going to be a huge party, a 3D party. I was going to make a joke that was very inappropriate. Okay. <laughs> There's going to be a huge 3D party. Everybody is invited. So the cool parties that you can join, even if you don't have anything, because there's free of charge. And it's a two-day workshop. We will be covering basics of animation, 2D, 3D, and how to incorporate typography into the three-dimensional space. So I think it's going to be really exciting what people come up with. And on top of everything, we're also having a giveaway. So if you're not that so interested in the workshop, you might be interested in the giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> What's Hopefully, way everybody will find the workshop interesting too. I'm sure that they will. I think it's going to be fun. Absolutely. In the meantime, where can people find out more about Spline if they hear this and they're just like, oh my God, I have to go run, not walk? To- figure out how to use There are several places. Yes. Uh, we just launched our Discord community, which is huge. We've just been around for a couple of days and it's blowing up. And there you can meet other people using Spline. We're answering questions. We're sharing resources, tutorials, job opportunities, a bunch of different things. Yep. There's also our social media, but most of all the website, which is spline.design. There you can access to also to our social media. Spline Tool is our handle in Twitter and also in Instagram, Spline Tool. Um, we are also in TikTok, Spline Design. Uh, so yeah, if you're interested in getting to Discord, you can get from the website, you can get into a di- direct link to our Discord community. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, Join the fun. Yeah, I'm part of the fun and I'm already <laughs> excited by what I see in there. So if that's any uh, example of what great stuff you're going to find. All right, Faride, Alejandro, thank you. This has been lovely. I appreciate you making the time. You're both busy people, but uh, I think this was really interesting. I loved like how deep we got into kind of design theory and what that can really mean for the future. And I think uh, that's going to be greatly appreciated. And I'm super excited to go back to Splide and start designing some more. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks a lot for inviting us and super appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Yay!